0: You are now entering the Midwest Monsters Podcasts broadcasting from Sunny Muncie, Indiana. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Adner, joined by Professor
1: Wagstaff, Venomous Benny. Hot Toddy.
0: Good to be with you again, friends. We are coming in with a familiar format that we like to call the Monster Mash. You know what we do? We pick four random movies and invite each other to watch them, and then we talk about them. So and today, Invader Force, a little bit of Column A, a little bit of Column <laughs> B. So. That being said, uh, the movie I chose for this episode was a movie called Bone Tomahawk. Professor?
2: I picked The Dead Zone. I picked Orca.
1: I picked Burnt Offerings. Wow. I choose Business Ethics. <laughs> <efforts. laughs> My wife's a whore for 300
0: <laughs> So, um... I think we're going to start with Orca, which was uh, Vinny's pick. Vinny, tell us why you chose Orca.
3: Growing up, we didn't have cable. Okay. We were an antenna household.
0: The Farmer Four.
3: Yep. Orca was on Saturday afternoon movies a lot. And to this day, if I'm flipping through the channels and Orca is on, I stop and I watch it. Uh, Always, I think, not incorrectly labeled as the poor man's jaws yep, or the movie you rent when your video store was out of jaws uh but i have i don't know there's something about this movie that i really enjoy and i just was looking for, i've never really had the opportunity to sit down with anybody else and uh, discuss the movie so that's why i chose
0: well, Todd, why don't you give us the dates and the details, and then we'll we'll go around and kind of give our first impressions. Um, yeah, we'll go from there.
1: So, Orca, 1977, uh, starring Richard Harris. Are you sure that date's
3: right? I thought it was 72. I have
1: 77. 77. It, it came out before it Jaws?
3: Jones. It sure did. Jaws <laughs> stole from <this. laughs> Shut up. <laughs> this is the Little Richard kill, uh, kill Aquatic yourself.
0: Terror movie.
1: Uh, so, Orga, <laughs> 1977. Richard Harris,
0: 1977. Correct.
1: Will Sampson, Bo Derek, uh, Robert Carradine, Carol Connors did the lovely theme at the end. Uh, much needed. Um, and uh, I think uncredited producer was Dino De Laurentiis,
3: Dude, who did a lot of uh, was, uh, King Kong.
1: I was gonna say he did a lot of like cool sci-fi horror stuff, 70s and 80s. And fun fact, Orca was also the name of the boat from Jaws. Yeah. Uh,
3: it was directed by Michael Anderson, who also directed Logan. Oh.
0: Hmm. Never seen it. That's a popular one. All right, so I'll <laughs> jump right in and say this was my first time watching Orca. I had heard of it, uh, so I knew the concept. had always been uh, packaged to me as a poor man's Jaws. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... That's my first experience. I didn't hate it, but I don't know that I'll watch it again. So
1: You don't prefer this over, John?
0: You know,
2: blasphemy.
0: I thought about it. <laughs> 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 Professor. Uh,
2: this was, ironically, a first-time viewing for me, but I owned it on Blu-ray. <laughs> uh, bought this in the throes of an exciting moment buying in person from Diabolic Video at Cinema Wasteland, uh, among a few others. It was just a blind buy. I thought, ah, what the hell, I'll get this. Hadn't watched it yet, so nice excuse to pop it in the player. Nice.
0: There you go, hot toddy.
1: Um, I felt like uh, Orca. I, I don't know that I've heard of this movie. And then um, Free Willy came out in '93, early '90s,
0: which was a great sequel.
1: Uh, so <laughs> I had a I had a friend that uh, we worked at the video store together, and uh, same age. We went to school together. She like latched onto Free Willy. Like it made her get into killer
0: whales. And you shouldn't say latched on to free. So
1: you go fast. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, the kid was the worst man. She loved, she loved that movie. And so it, uh, it led her, her to Orca, And then I just remember, I don't think she was a f- fan of horror films at all. She, all she knew was Orca, the killer. Well, she watches me. I think she might've like gave it to me or like, I don't, I don't remember. That's how I first watched it. If she was just like garbage, and gave it to me, and then um, around uh, probably a few years later, like uh, I love the '80s, kept talking about it, um, kind of making fun of it. So around that time, somewhere is when I first watched it, and I watched it with friends. And if if anything, it's worth uh, a lot of laughs because the, the concept of um, a killer whale, like in that this was in, in the midst of all the 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 Jaws ripoffs um, coming out, and the fact that this is kind of like a, a bigger budgeted. With well-known stars in the movie, um, so I do enjoy the movie, but at the same time, it's hokey, and I kind of get more laughs at it than I do uh, than I do frights. There you go. Especially the the uh, pooped-out fetus and just hosing it down off the boat.
0: Oh man, that was rough. Uh, so, Vinny, do you want to give us a, a quick synopsis? Uh,
1: basically,
3: you have this fisherman played by Richard Harris. He's a fisherman for profit. He has the idea that he's going to capture a wild killer whale and sell it to an aquarium. Uh, he botches it, harpoons a female. They bring it on board. <laughs> it's pregnant. As it dies, it
1: shits out a baby,
3: births out the fetus, which, as they have pointed out earlier in the movie, there is a point in a whale's fetal uh, development that looks very similar to a human fetus at one point. So this fetus falls out of this killer whale in which time they hose it off the side frantically. The whole time it's being watched by the male mate.
2: Not only watched, uh, who is frantically screaming.
3: Yes. yes.
2: <laughs> Let's be honest, this is when we start to realize where some of the decision making may go in terms of filmmaking. <clears throat> Uh, It's just like,
1: huh.
0: Yeah, this becomes uh, a different film from Jaws right away. I I
1: thought essentially this movie wasn't a Jaws ripoff as much as it was just Death Wish with a killer whale. (laughs) (laughs) It's fair.
3: So basically the rest rest of the movie is this male killer whale seeking revenge on this fisherman who has killed his, his mate and unborn
0: child. Yeah. It is a revenge tale.
1: Can I go straight into my favorite scene? By <laughs> all means. Does it involve Bo Derek? It does involve Bo Derek. <laughs> ah. So a young, I think this might have been her first movie. So uh, Bo Derek, and they're in like a, in a house that's kind of like part of the water, yeah, part right on land. On and the the well starts taking the house down, and it comes through and bites off her leg. Yeah. So the question
2: <laughs> is, she's a ten. Does no, that
1: she's make a her a nine and seven? A seven.
2: <laughs> I was thinking nine and a half. Um, also, uh, Tommy Boy. Well, yeah. And then he, who we just discussed Did on To also Catch a m- Killer. I
3: just mentioned that Will Samson Jr. is in this yeah, 2.
2: Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what you should leave with for him. My apologies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> was he Cochise in yeah. One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest? Yeah.
1: I liked his character in Polar, Guys.
0: Yeah. Um, Thank yeah, you. I mean, the, the movie starts with that, that orca smoking <laughs> that great white shark. Like, yeah. that was nuts. like, slaps him out of the water, doesn't he? Like, bumps him with his nose yeah. out of the water? Yeah.
1: Like a torpedo. Yeah. Which I think is funny, because I think that was like, Jaws terrified you. The killer whale can do this to Jaws.
0: One of my first notes is, this movie is way fucking sadder than Jaws. Yeah,
2: well, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because right at the beginning, we flip it on its head from Jaws. Because jaws, you want that shark dead. Yes. you've watched the shark kill. Yes, the shark is this, the monster. Yeah. We watch the orca save the life of the scientist that we open the movie with, where the shark's coming for it, and the whale comes in and kills it. Yeah, and then they manage to screw up and botch the whole thing, and you know, kill his wife and kid. Yeah, and then so then you're like, ah, I don't. I don't want this orca to be
1: hurt. I'd right. kinda
2: like to see the orca feel better about it. I, yeah. I do
1: love the jaw scenes where like the, the fin breaks the water. I'm like, it's a killer whale. It's a killer whale. <laughs> it's not it's not as frightening as as the fin.
3: I high marks. I said that, that I, I noticed a I dirty give... look from Vinny. <laughs> high marks that I will give this movie is that because of an orca's color color scheme and because of its skin. They do a great job of using obviously scenes of an orca that is in an
2: aquarium. Yeah, the same like stock shot of it with nothing behind it, like where it's just right in on it. Mixed
3: with footage of wild orca. Yeah, but they, in some scenes, use a fake orca as well, which looks ten times more realistic than the shark in Jaws ever
1: prayed to look like.
0: Don't you dare. Like like when it it used its
1: fin to throw a a body against a wall.
0: You know, anyway,
3: I'm saying it looked more real than the shark and jaw. Get
0: out of here! We grew up calling orca killer whales, right? You know, and then and then they were like, they're like, they're 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 nice animals. We need to stop calling them that. So it's I'm I'm glad that at this point, you know, in 1977, they called the film orca instead of killer whale.
3: There's still some. uh, if, if, I mean, if you're being a real stickler for actual science that this this movie misses on orcas are not monogamous mm. uh, they thought they were for a long time because they would note the same males in the pods but they were actually the siblings
2: mm. so you're sons. saying scientifically don't hate the player hate the game <laughs> but males
3: will actually mate with, with females from other pods mm. male so I mean scientifically Slat be a nerd about it. That's not exactly accurate. But uh nerd alert. Nerd alert. <laughs> I think of, of Richard Harris is great in this movie. I, I, mean, but, I was uh, sure watching my dad not, though, he, not
1: many my dad swore it was Peter O'Toole. I was like, it's not Peter <laughs> O'Toole.
3: Not. Richard <laughs> Harris, there's not many things you're gonna find him in that he's not good in it. And I yeah. think that he lends a certain credibility to a movie that's already being viewed as a knockoff of something.
1: And th- this was prior to because uh, Jaws 2 came out a year later, right? Was it Yeah, 78? 78 was. So Jaws this was too. before like any Jaws sequels or or anything. So this was still early on. And I, th- I think this movie too made, um, I think it made like $15 million gross, which is probably pretty good for that time.
2: Yeah. Well, I want to stress this. When I bought this film, I stood at the table and Todd went, yeah, Bo Derek gets her leg bitten off. It's a rip off <laughs> of Jaws. I thought, oh this is going to be goofy fun. What I was very impressed with is this this, this is not just a cash grab. And that's important to stress. Uh, a lot of times when you talk about rip-off films, um, that's all it is. And with this, that's not the case.
3: I think yeah,
2: oh, yeah. it's its own thing. Yeah. It's clearly capitalizing on the immense success that Joel's had, yeah. but it is not just trying to rush out a film that mimics it. Um, and with this... And most of it is, is much closer to top-shelf production than I was oh, expecting. I and so I think it's important to stress to listeners that if you're even slightly interested, this is actually a legitimate film. This has a pretty big-time cast. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlotte Rambling was already well-established, too. I mean, she came from the swinging 60s in London and had already made some huge films. Um, Bo Derek, obviously. We know uh, young Robert Carradine would go on to make some some fun films, that we're familiar with, but the score is great to this movie. It's shot beautifully. Other than some stock footage, it's a really, really good-looking film. And so it's easy to kind of get wrapped up and poking fun at some of the aspects of it, but this is actually a well-made movie. Oh,
0: I agree. And
2: that's I agree. what really surprised me the most about it. I thought it was going to be a just an insane 70s disaster film. The cover of it makes it look like that. The poster art for it, it it just it feels like you're gonna watch um, the Poseidon Adventure.
0: <laughs> yeah, I sat down with some drinks, expecting a wild rompus, and...
2: and this is much more isolated. Yeah, it's in a small cast. This in is a, a, a real small downer setting.
1: Yeah, ending at the Fortress of Solitude.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I, I I think it's important to stress that though that this was a much different film, both visually and tonally, than I walked into it thinking it was going to be. So it, it's not a movie that I loved. But I was much more impressed with some of the qualities that it brought. I really just thought this was going to be a nonsense ripoff movie, and so I mean, people were trying in, with this film. Oh yeah, certainly,
3: certainly.
2: For yeah. some, that'll hurt it, but you know, mm-hmm. I had a, I, 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 I was very impressed with some of the elements of the filmmaking.
1: Every time I, I this is every time I watch this movie, I still enjoy it. So it's it's enjoyable and entertaining. It's enjoyable, and we'll get into some of these details
2: before we move on, I'm sure, but I think it's most enjoyable because of how our killer whale is actually making decisions for revenge as opposed to – and these filmmakers could have just made it the easiest thing in the world where it just crashes into boats and eats them. We don't do that. There's actually some pretty inventive – and and re- it's, it's uh, a, equally cold and calculated. So, yeah.
1: it's, a, it's a thinking creature. Yeah,
2: yeah. which I think, for some,
1: will take them out of the can, movie, can but I, for some, uh, they'll love. What could have made this movie better is there's like the one scene where you see the car flipping in his head, which you find out that his uh his wife and child was killed by a drunk driver. Yeah. The only thing that could have made this movie better is if he would have had another flashback that the killer well was the drunk driver. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was going to be one of my notes that the captain kind of sympathizes with the whale because he lost his wife and kid. Oh, well, he kind of
1: gets okay. to the point, too, where he's like, you know what? I fucked with nature. I I did what what someone did to me, and I have to go out and take my, my punishment.
3: Yeah, i got to take my medicine. Yeah. And he goes out to – after the whale has basically destroyed the – Wilded it out family, on everything. On, yeah, and the people turn on him and are like – now you need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and so he's like, "All right, I'm going to go out and I'm going to take my medicine. I'm going to face this thing
2: down." And-, and that's what I found most unique about this is that we didn't jump immediately into that. Yeah, we have our orca pushing the carcass up onto the beach so that everyone has to look at what's happened. Yeah, you look at what you did.
0: Pushes his dead wife onto yeah. the
2: beach. We we have the community demanding the killing. Of this whale because it's destroying their local economy for the fish they're catching
0: keeps smoking the boats and we
2: still don't have yeah, it takes the out basic, every boat but yeah we still don't have the vengeance past set like yeah. as you mentioned nolan is being patient because he knows he messed up and he sympathizes with that situation because of his past we have fuel lines destroyed and only until we get bo Derek's leg ripped off do we then go all right Something's got to be done. I either need to end, or this whale does. I like
3: this scene where his, his guy, his crew member, is out on like the out on an outcropping of the ship. Oh and yeah! The orca leaps up <laughs> out of the water, just snatches him up, and takes him down. One of my favorite scenes. Yeah, that scene is great.
0: Um, my last note is that uh, that scene with the tipped iceberg. <laughs> Ah, uh, just reminded me of the end scene with the boat and Jaws. You know, as the oh, yeah. as the the shark comes up and is getting quint, and you know the the ship's tipped up. Uh, I felt like that was a pretty uh, pretty straight shot.
1: Yeah, I will say, no matter where you are, like even if you're, I don't know where the hell he took him, Alaska, Antarctica, is it the Bell of Saint but, Isle. But no matter where like you are, if know. you're a white woman in trouble, you will get help right away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yes, yeah, so we want to finish up. What what are what we have with the climax?
3: Basically, he's he's been on this boat. Uh, the whale is picking off crew members left and right, and as leading it leads him, him yeah. as it leads him into an iceberg-infested area, uh, sinks his ship. So he has to get out and get on the you know floating pieces of ice, separates him from everybody else, and basically tips the ice floating piece of ice that he's on at an almost 90-degree angle, and then as he slides in the water, slaps him out of the water with his tail up into a glacier and, and kills him.
2: An ambitious uh, yeah. an ambitious finale as opposed to just gargling him. Yeah. 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 So I have one question real quick before we move on then. Sure. Food for thought. Did the whale lead them there because it wanted to end its life after that? Because we we finished the film with it swimming under ice where it can't. Come
0: up right, Uh, and you know, and or, or
2: was that from blind vengeance? Hmm. Deeper than
0: you were expecting, you You know, because the orca, the orca is a mammal, right? So it's not going to survive in those icy waters, right? Um, And so
2: that's the question: Did it lead it there to kill itself afterwards, finish the job, and die there?
0: I would lean towards that. Yeah, me too.
3: And it taken on a big injury from the harpoon as well. but we don't see it die. We watch the fisherman die, but we
0: don't watch the whale die. Yeah. All right. Very good.
2: I would recommend to those who are interested, not a blind recommendation, recommend this recommendation <laughs> for everyone, but there's enough enjoyable qualities more than I was expecting. I
1: love it. I've, yeah, I've, every, every viewing I've enjoyed this movie, so. All right. Cool. Uh, So that brings us to Burnt Offerings. Burnt Offerings. 1976, starring a young Karen Black, Oliver Reed, Burgess Meredith, Eileen Heckart, Lee Montgomery, Betty Davis, and Dub Taylor. And directed by Dan Curtis. TV master. Who we know mainly from Dark Shadows, but many other projects as well. Yeah, uh,
2: Colchak movies, Night Stalker, uh, and Trilogy of Terror.
1: Yes, know, some with, with also with Karen Black. Yep. All right, Toddy, this was your
0: pick. Tell us why you chose this.
1: Uh, what? This one's easy. I bought this recently, and it had been sitting on a shelf on open, and I thought this is a reason to open it. All right. I painted the duck purple because I'd never seen a purple duck before. <laughs>
0: thanks for listening <laughs> stay scary uh, this was my first viewing uh,
2: this was my second viewing uh, was actually excited to revisit it because to be honest on the first viewing I was just lukewarm enjoyed yep. it okay and but it really has a lot of uh, passion from some people this is a movie that inspired filmmakers today a lot of them so Luke-
1: lukewarm is also the name of my boy band
2: all right <laughs> those, uh, yeah no it's excited to revisit
0: uh, first time viewing them. I don't even know that I was. This was on my radar that it even existed, but this is first time viewing. Them. Yeah, I. In watching it and getting into it, I was really hoping as they they dealt with the uh, the kind of crazy family at the beginning that this was going to turn into like a a cult or witchcraft kind of movie, and it did not take that angle. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of where I was heading into it.
1: Uh, so this for me, uh, I, I've heard, I'm not familiar with Burn Offerings. Honestly, I really didn't even know what it was about. First time viewing for the show. Um, I've seen it around enough and knew who the cast was.
2: Probably got it in one of those kino sales. Yeah,
1: I, I definitely picked it up during that. Um, so just a brief synopsis of the film. Um, uh, we have, a a younger family, a husband and wife and a, and a son and, um, they get a rare opportunity to kind of, like, do this, like, I guess kind of a summer rental. Fleeing the constraints of
2: Queens, New York.
1: So uh, yeah. they're getting out of the city. Uh, they find, like, a deal of a lifetime, a super cheap home, uh, like, pretty much like a like a mansion or, um, I don't know. I don't want to say plantation because it's not down south, but, like, a super huge, like, uh, home. And real quick, while you mention that, I want to mention this
2: because it blew my mind. This is not upstate New York. This is actually the same house from Phantasm.
1: I uh, had that in my notes uh, I had that because it's the uh, the morning side.
2: I I look at film locations all the time. That actually blew my mind because I kept looking at it. When going, they, Man, they, that looks like
1: when they walked on the porch is side. when I started going. Mm. Yeah,
2: but yeah, it was. It's been used in a ton of
1: movies, including yeah. that. So, um, Young Family. Uh, they meet the. Uh, they meet the the weird caretaker, and then also there's like a brother and sister, which is uh, Burgess Meredith and Eileen Heckart, and um, it's it's very cheap rent. The only stipulation for them is that their um, elderly mo- mother is part of the house, and that they all they ask is that they leave her alone and uh, that they cook her three meals a day. Um, so they move Seems in the. fair. They move in the house. Um, just bizarre things start happening, uh, starting to occur, and uh, as it rolls on, um, you you really don't see the uh, the mother that they talk about, but uh, you know Karen Black kind of becomes obsessed with caretaking for her, and then um, it just keeps going on and on, almost like that the house is uh, its own entity and alive, um, and that's the general uh, gist of the film.
0: Nice okay. setup, yeah. Well, well done. Well done. Um, I love the crazy groundskeeper in the beginning.
3: That's the guy from the old Hubba Bubba commercial.
0: Sure. Old
3: West. <laughs> yeah. Back when I was a kid.
0: Yeah. Right on. You're like 50, right?
3: Yeah. I'm 40 years old. <laughs>
1: I I did fail to mention that they bring along their their aunt, Betty Davis.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was great. Um, I like that uh, Burgess Meredith kind of looks like he could be Martin Short's older brother in this movie. I got so
3: excited when I saw Burgess Meredith was in this movie. I I love Burgess Meredith. He
2: had
1: another 40 years to go. (laughs) It lit
3: lit my world up to see that he was in this
1: movie. How can you not love uh, Burgess?
0: Yeah. A little weird. A little weird in this movie, but <laughs> he, is, he is a little off. I, I thought uh,
1: I thought it was strange because this is definitely after Batman and uh, and Rocky mm-hmm. that he's very briefly used in this film.
2: That I think lends itself to the clout that Curtis had at that yeah. point because this cast is insane.
1: Yeah, so you kind brand. of have a, you have a major star just basically doing a cameo, yeah. and actually uh, his sister mm-hmm. uh, Eileen Heckart also was in a lot of uh, you know she was an established name as well. So, yeah.
0: um, so we, we know things are a little strange when uh, they watch the little boy fall off of the, the, was it a tree or playground equipment? Is it a tree house?
2: Tree, like
1: a playground. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So, he falls off of that and hurts himself, and they don't say anything.
1: Yeah. They, they also notice uh, photographs in the hall of the house at different time periods. where And almost like the house kind of regenerates itself after... So many years. Yeah. Damn good looking house.
0: Oh yeah, it's a fine home.
3: Karen Black, it struck me in this movie that had this movie been made a decade later, Gina Davis probably would have been cast in <laughs> Karen Black's role.
0: Yeah. Um, so did you say in your brief synopsis what fuels the house? I did not. No. Do we want to get to that now? Sure. <laughs> or do you have anything else you want to air out before then? Yeah. So, so the home is fueled by uh, people's injuries, people getting hurt uh, in the home on the grounds and the house feeds off of that to regenerate itself. Right. Am I missing anything there? No, it's
2: basically taking the life force from, from its residents.
0: And oh, we, to Oh, it's I think bad. what's
2: interesting too, is I liken it to the shining in many ways Yep. before the shining existed. Yeah. And Stephen King, this is one of his favorite movies.
0: I interesting yeah uh, the, uh, the more you
1: know basically
2: <laughs> so I, I i mean a lot of ways they did that. One,
1: one, one of the uh, projects of the of the mother that's attached to the house too is she loves to do her her portraits and her uh her photos and you notice uh many different photos from Pairs, different time periods
0: yeah. so we get that unsettling scene in the pool when the rough housing between the father and oh. the son turns to the father basically trying to drown the son yeah. while the aunt, Betty That's Davis, quickly. screams at him. Yeah, he gets out of hand real quick, and you're like, wow, we're going there. Um, yeah, I just remember plenty of summers, roughhousing with my dad in the pool, and him trying to drown the shit out of me, and I thought, this must be for the house. <laughs> I, I texted the professor at one point, and i
3: like, boy, Oliver Reed is one hammy actor. Like, <laughs> that dude is so hammy.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's
3: good. But he's—it's almost Shatner's school of acting in some of the some of the scenes.
0: Yeah, very much so. He
2: had so much of that British experience that laid it on thick. But yeah, it's just countless examples that, that keep happening where things are progressing, which is why it's very similar to The Shining, uh, where a lot of your fear turns to your own family that, mm. that you're within this place that seems to be becoming the priority as opposed to each other. Um, With Karen Black's growing obsession with the home and keeping uh, everything up there and the meals uh, for the mysterious mother that are going uneaten. But nonetheless, she's staying on top of everything. Um, And we have more and more things starting to sabotage. Uh, We have like the gas uh, that kicks on in the room that's locked. Yeah. That potentially is going to kill the boy.
1: The, the house starts coming out, like the clocks that don't work, start they start to work again.
2: Yeah. And something I noticed with this viewing that I hadn't originally is uh, when Oliver Reed cuts his hand on the champagne bottle, the light bulb comes on. Yeah. The light bulb that wasn't working. And so we see an early example of the house pulling from the pain.
0: Carrie pointed out one that I didn't even catch. But when the boy falls at the very beginning and hurts himself, that's when... Uh, the, the groundskeeper's like, we're going to throw this plant out. And Burgess Meredith is like, you can't throw that plant out. Look, there's something new growing mm-hmm. here. And so right there from that very beginning, the boy falling and hurting himself, his pain becomes that new sprout and yeah. that plant. So
2: it's a much more restrained film than I realized the first go around. So there is certainly a reward uh, for rewatching this when you kind of pick up on a lot of these things. Um, but yeah, it's just, as you'd expect with any... Set up like that, each one seems to get a little worse than the last, as do our characters. Um, And you know, we finally get to a breaking point. I mean, is there anything that we want to mention in between there?
0: No, just got uh, the only other scary scene with the dad is when he gets real rapey on the lawn with the mom.
2: Yeah, hate when that happens. (laughs) Oh
0: yeah, (laughs) it's like whoa, hey, come on now, buddy. Um,
2: Oh, uh,
3: I on the other hand just wondered why she's being so fucking frigid.
1: Um, uh, we apologize, Sandy.
0: No,
2: the only other thing I wanted to mention that is kind of funny, too, because we they would go on to use this house in Phantasm is the haunting and, like, visions and dreams that Ben is having uh, from the hearse driver that's very oh, the hearse
1: driver was creepy,
2: similar to what we will have in Phantasm at yeah. the very same house a few years later. Oh, yeah. So
1: Phantasm was 79, so... Yeah, three years later.
2: Um... But so things finally come to a head and Elizabeth uh, falls ill and dies. Right. Um, And basically husband confronts wife and expresses the intent to leave the house. Um, And so we're getting ready to flee. Karen Black decides we have to go let the mother staying here know that she's getting ready to be alone. We're, we're leaving. And, and, they beg her not to go in. Don't she,
0: go in. Don't she, do she it, Mom.
1: She
2: does, which results in... Don't in, leave,
1: Mom. Uh, which they can't even get down the road, right? Because the trees... Oh, the trees yeah, that are tree fell. Them. Yeah. Yep. And we also didn't mention either that the uh, brother and sister had mentioned that their mother is very young-looking for her age.
2: Yeah. Right. But, yeah, we have all of kind of the the tropes you'd expect with wanting to escape the, the house and not being able to for varying reasons. But the end result um, is that... She goes in to let her know. Ben follows her. When Ben gets in there, she is part of the house. She is the mother. She's got the crazy eyes and the face yep. from, from being in there. Uh, ben goes right out the window in a particularly gruesome landing yeah. right through the windshield.
1: Right um, on
0: top of the sun.
2: Yeah, that uh, the sun sees.
0: Just like and, spraying blood all over the sun. I'm like, oh, boy, that got graphic quick.
2: Yeah, and he, he runs from that. Uh, most would. Uh, we have, what, the chimney? Fall on him? Yeah. That reminded me
3: of...
1: There for I
2: was going
3: to say, oh. that reminded me of Austin yeah. Powers, where it's like,
1: get out of the way! <laughs> but, uh, ah, and so, no.
2: so then we have our original siblings magically arrive, uh, excited to have their mother back, and the house looking damn good. Damn good. And then we have pictures of Ben and Elizabeth and Baby on our table, Along with all of the other residents of the past,
0: yeah, kind of like the ending of The Shining. Yes, you got it. Uh,
1: any other any other thoughts?
0: This concludes my book report.
1: <laughs> uh, this is first time viewing up, and I own it. I would uh, I would definitely gladly check this out again. I enjoyed the movie.
2: It it, it won't be high on my list I, of movies uh, that I love. I kind of
1: because to me I, I I thought it was more about a haunted house than what it was. Yeah. And I was coming off of picking Ghost Story and, um, and The Changeling. So I was just kind of like on a roll. Yeah. So it's, it was definitely different from those movies. but
2: Well, this certainly has its following. It doesn't need my support. Personally, if I were recommending, I would say watch Curtis's TV movies more than this. Mm. Um, Trilogy of Terror or the Kolchak films. I, I
1: prefer... I've i never seen the Night Stalker films, but but I love Trilogy of Terror.
2: Yeah, the Kolchak films are great. This is good. It's not a bad movie. Yeah, but it's not.
1: It wasn't as it wasn't as strong as other things.
2: I will say it notched up a little bit for me from the first time I watched it. Cause first time I watched it, I was like,
1: "Why does everyone love this?" Yeah. I didn't even talk
2: about it to anybody after. Right. I was just like, "Well, I've seen it. Check the box. Move on." Yep. Second viewing, I got a little bit more out of it. Uh, little kind of uh, details that they don't beat you over the head with. It's a smart enough film, interesting cast, good director. So
1: I feel like a lot of Thought it. I rewatched it. Is, is the time period that it came out. It's it's kind of a uh, prior to a lot of the things that we love that we grew up on. I feel like if I would have watched this before a lot of other things, I would probably like adore this movie. But I've kind of already seen many things that this movie has probably. That's a good point. Spawned into For older
2: people, this was more of a bigger deal to them because yeah. it went on to inspire so much stuff that we watched right. and loved. First. So things that I
1: bitch about that new like you know new people love of, of new films. I'm like oh, that was stuff I grew up on. This is probably similar.
3: A good as, example, yeah. yeah. Good point. I liked it well enough. I thought it was decent. It's not high on my list. I don't know that I'll watch it again,
0: but I'm glad that I did watch it. Again. Yeah. Yeah, as far as recommendations go, I would say if you're a if you're a diehard dedicated fan of the genre, go ahead, give it a shot. But Especially if you're seventies horror. Yeah, but if you're just a a passive um, purveyor of the horror genre, then I'd say you could skip this one. So
1: that is fair. Alright, moving right along into Bone Tomahawk. And I actually didn't put down a year, but it's 2015. 15? 15. 15, uh, starring the gorgeous Kurt Russell, mm. Patrick Wilson, Matthew Fox, like that alone. I should have <laughs> watched this movie earlier. Uh, Richard Jenkins, David Arquette, and Sid Haig. And uh, directed by S. Craig Zay- Zayler, who also uh, went on to write one of the newer uh, public and also some
0: other cool stuff. Absolutely. Also made Brawl and Cell Block 99, another one I'd recommend. So this was my pick. Um, Carrie and I watched this, there was a a winter a year or two ago where it was just like dead of winter, not much going on, snow on the ground, and we just cranked out a new movie marathon. Like we just, I think we watched four or five new movies, newer movies that we hadn't seen. And so this was one of them and it was funny because we put it on and we were we were kind of starting to doze out we were like oh, we've already watched a couple movies it's kind of a slow start but then when it kicked in we woke right up like we were <laughs> you, we, you were woke we got woke real quick and so we started paying attention real quick and i can't remember who recommended this to me there were one or two passing recommendations i believe professor was one of them And so uh, someone said, this is going to be right up your alley, which doesn't always work out for me because I'm a weirdo. Sure does.
1: But But, someone (laughs) said... hillbillies (laughs) and mongoloids, I think of Abner.
0: Someone said, this is a a Western horror movie, uh, which we'll get into. I I really want to know if you guys would categorize this as horror uh, as we go around, but I feel like this is a Western horror. Um, And so I absolutely love this film the first time around. And the second time around, I may have liked it even better. So um, I'm a huge mark for this movie, and I will push it on anyone who's willing to listen. So uh, other opening thoughts on this movie?
2: This was my third viewing. Um, To be perfectly honest, this might be my favorite movie of the last five years. I was obsessed with it after I watched it for the first time. Uh, It was one of those ones where I was pushing this on people who, who weren't, necessarily people I usually push movies on. I mean, us guys talk about horror all the time. So we do it's podcasts. We recommend stuff, but like this branched out, um, because I was excited about the filmmaking, not just as a, a, a straightforward horror movie because it's not, uh, there was more there. And I was so blown away. Not only that it was so good in the other elements that it touched on, but that the, this was from a first time director. Um, and we'll talk plenty more about it, but this is just a movie that I really, really like and respect. Yeah.
3: This was the first time viewing for me. Um, I like Westerns. I like Kurt Russell. Um, This thing had an absolute all star cast. There was a point in this movie. uh, I even text the professor where I was questioning why we were watching this a horror podcast um which was literally halfway through the movie i was wondering why we I, I don't think we noted podcast. either this
1: is a longer movie this is like two hours plus yeah it's longer
3: i believe at, at the end of the day i think that it gives you enough in the last act that you can put it into the horror category i think um it was a really good movie, it, regardless of what your genre uh, specialties are, what you like. I think that this is a good movie across the board, regardless of what genres you like. And like I say, I questioned if it belonged or not until the last act. And then I think it does belong. I think it, it has enough okay. that, it, that it lends itself to this category. Yeah.
0: That's fair.
1: Uh, first time viewing... Uh, I like how Abner has said that he recommends that this was forced. Like, he forced me to buy this movie. Which, <laughs> it was under on, duress. Honestly, though, on I have. On two
0: separate occasions. You what, put it back on the shelf one time, And to be so. honest,
1: I have a huge love for Kurt Russell. So, I mean, really, this is a movie I should have watched prior. Um, I definitely can see. Um, it definitely feels more of a Western when you start watching it. But honestly, it's like a Western meets The Hills Have Eyes, is how I would describe the movie. Um, the, the gore scenes alone, like, it's, it, I would, this is a pretty hardcore movie. Oh, yeah. Um,
3: but, I don't, I, I, but I don't think that happens until the third act.
1: But I'm, when I watch a Clint Eastwood movie, they don't take somebody's clothes off and then put an axe down their booty hole. <laughs> well, per-
3: last here- third of the movie. Though. Let me you throw this I mean? out
2: here. Perfect example. Uh, Oliver Reed, who we just discussed in Burnt Offerings, he was in Curse of the Werewolf. There is nothing in that film until the last 10 minutes. That's mm-hmm. absolutely- And we love it for the werewolf transformation. So I I completely respect if someone doesn't think of this as a horror film. I get it. Yeah. And I would not ca- categorize that as this, but I do think that kind of the adjacent nature that we have of it is enough to... To put it into the discussion that we're having, and right I think now. that's
3: fair. I uh, think referring to it as horror adjacent is probably more accurate.
1: Because I, I feel like yeah. if you're the typical—so uh, my dad likes westerns, but he loves horror movies. If you're the—if you're the wet, old school western fan of like Bonanza, you're probably going to hate this movie. Well,
2: and it's important to, rem, to remember too that when laying out the plot here, which I don't know how deep we'll go into it, but we open the film with Sid Haig, yeah, genre familiar. And then, and David Arquette.
0: Genre and, favorite, David uh, genre, Arquette.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we have one of them being eviscerated by a creature that we keep it from the distance to where so we can't understand what we're dealing with. Yeah. So it's important to stress that this isn't just a straightforward Western leading up until the end. There is the opening that lets you know when they walk up on a ceremonial oh, yeah. circle that we at least set the table. So this isn't a blind when side. When I walk up
1: on the pet cemetery.
2: Right. And so we yeah. we demonstrate this at the beginning to clarify this isn't just a western. Yeah. Now, in fairness to what we're also discussing, the meat of the film is. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge part of of it, but I also don't want to run people off, you know, kind of summarily dismissing this as just that based on what we're saying, like, we set the table in this film. I think yeah. that's important to clarify.
0: Well, and to lead right in with that, so the, the plot is, so um, we start with these two um, bandits, you know, David Arquette, Sid Haig. They just robbed somebody. The wet they, bandits? The wet, yeah, the, I think they were the sticky bandits at this All point. Right. Uh, so they go through um, this... Burial ground, which Jeremiah Johnson and numerous other westerns have taught us, you don't fuck with Indian burial grounds.
2: Not a
1: good idea.
0: Now, and they they just like kicking rocks and doing whatever, and they you know they get attacked, and Sid Haig gets brutally I was, murdered.
1: Even before that, the 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 dude just wakes up and he's fucking like jagging a knife in his throat. Yeah, that's what the film opens with. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so get to the town, and David Arquette, they lock him up, and he's. You know they're trying to figure out what's going on, and um, some townsfolk get kidnapped. Right, deputy and the sheriff's wife. They
1: shoot David Arquette, and then which brings the doctor's wife to the uh, to the jail cell. That's married to Patrick Wilson, who is in everything. Patrick Wilson is
0: in everything. Everything these days, but he's always serviceable
3: in everything he
0: does. Absolutely, right. Very
2: serviceable. boner tomahawk
0: so to lead into so, some of these horror elements um as the people are taken away there's a uh, uh another native american character who's who's more civilized you know in in the town and and they're like will you help us track these people down and he says no i will not
3: trying to get
1: killed son yeah and that's and, that's what they say after they kill the uh the the I don't know if it was a, more of a servant, but uh, a person of color and and he says that you know, basically this tribe will just murder anybody. Well, they they murder people of color because they don't eat them.
2: Well, mm. uh, and I love this too. The with our our local native that explains that these are uh, what does he say troglodytes mm-hmm. cave dwellers. They're animalistic, savage. Um, we set kind of the stage for the traditional Western, something like the searchers. We have the the little girls kidnapped. Yeah. We have a group of guys who band together to say, we're going to go do this. But on the flip side, we also have a throwback in the sense of we're setting kind of this mythos for fear of what exactly we're heading towards. Yeah. And so you combine two classic ideas of film, into one for our journey with these guys. So as a viewer, I think you're already kind of excited. Yeah. Where we're headed. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Cause that's the thing. They try to like uh race shame him. They're like, Oh, you won't help us. Cause they're Indians. He's like, no, I'm not going with you because I don't want to die. Yeah. <laughs> like they're going to kill you. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> clutch your pearls moment. Yeah, they like, listen oh. to
2: him. I'm like Dr. Loomis.
0: Exactly. Six times. Um, let's go ahead.
3: Not start, let's not start
1: doing six times. Not, yeah. Now so we... uh, <laughs> we'll save that for the next one.
0: You know, I got to say right off the bat here, this is Kurt Russell at his best. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Matthew Fox is fantastic in I this. I didn't
1: even know that was Matthew Fox. I, I
0: had to, the first time we watched it, head. we had to look it up. I thought it was
1: Matthew Fox. <laughs> <laughs> she needs love too. Two, two, two. Oh.
0: Um, so, so we set out and another thing that I like about this is that
1: that's when it becomes a Western though, is like they, they do this crazy journey. Patrick Wilson, I don't think we mentioned has a, he's a cripple.
0: He's yeah. He broke his leg doing some cattle work. What did he how'd he break his leg? Do you remember being gorgeous? Uh, I'm trying
1: to
2: remember what his, what his, uh, gig is. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I can't remember. (laughs)
0: But also too he's another like format, I think. Yeah, another Western trope that I love about this one is that uh, the old man is the comic relief. And we get that through so many movies like Rio Bravo and El Dorado, just the, the old you know, the old the old cowpoke who's kind of a sheriff's deputy who's just meant to like maintain space while the sheriff's out doing things. And
2: he's he's the backup. Deputy, right? Yes. because
0: Yep, chicory Because they take the deputy. Right. The, the, He's the, one of the
2: ones that's taken from the jail.
0: The troglodytes. A backup
1: to the, the deputy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Chickory's the comic relief, and that, that's another great trope from Westerns is to have the old man and then, comic and relief. And then
1: Matthew Fox's character is also in love with with the, do- the female doctor.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah.
2: he volunteers to join. He's a local womanizer. Yep. Which we will learn. He made a pass at her.
0: Later yeah, later that's later. a great scene. But he's also like he's also the local like uh gunfighter too. Yeah. Like he's 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 a guy and we later find out that uh he he became a killer because his his mom and sister were killed by Indians. Mm. And so he became an Indian hunter, he became a gunslinger, but he's he's your dapper gunslinger. He's yeah. not like your your dusty dirty one. He's like he's like the guy who, you know, is lifting his pinky when he takes a shot of whiskey.
2: Which is great because you have uh, such a difference in all four men on our journey, which is great for film.
0: Yeah. Um, at this point too, going into that, this film, the script is beyond excellent. The writing, the banter, the witty banter between all of them, the use of like the old Western kind of language is impeccable.
2: And I'm just going to get this out of the way right here. This is the new Quentin Tarantino potentially. Yes. Um, He wrote and directed this with each film. He's got incredible dialogue. um, And each film is combining elements of film that he loves into kind of his own love letter, but it's not ripping really anything off. It's its own thing. And each one is completely different. So if you watch this and you go explore Brawl and Cell Block 99, you'll see completely different, but it's still got his stamp on it. And so... I found that was one of my first thoughts while I was watching this: is the dialogue It's like Reservoir Dogs yeah. with, with just this burst onto the scene from somebody.
0: Yeah, and and this is not. And and I also want the listeners to understand: we're not saying this is this is not a poor man's Tarantino movie. This, this is, is
2: a Tarantino like yes, his own movie. This
0: is a guy who's on the level and
2: ironically got nearly buried by the Hateful Eight because they had this in the can. The Hateful Eight came uh, out before it with Kurt Russell in the Western role. Good luck selling this where it doesn't look like a
0: mockbuster. Same facial that. hair, and yeah. It
2: survived because
1: it's a good
0: film because it's phenomenal.
1: Which which is nothing like The Hateful
0: Eight. Nothing like it. Yes, nothing like it. So we get along, and it's really hard to watch Patrick Wilson's foolish determination because he's got this broken leg. So they, the
1: they, horses get stolen. Yeah, they start
0: on horses, and they're like, you, they're, they're like, don't come with us. He's like, you're an idiot. That's my wife. I'm coming with you. And they're like, don't come with us. You'll only slow us down. And so then the horses get stolen. And they're like, they all got right. They
1: overnight.
0: Yeah, they got raided overnight. And they're like, all right, well, this is clearly the sign that you're going home. And he was like, nope, coming along with you. And it's painful, painful to watch his foolish determination. But we get the payoff in the end, which we'll, we'll talk about.
2: Yes. Yes. And they and they say that's fine. We get it. You go at your own pace. We'll leave a trail for you with four rocks along the way. Yep. Just to to lean there, which will turn out to be a, a good thing. Because I think that along the way and they, they uh they mention this from uh, someone at our final scenes um, that points out this just the absolute stupidity, tenacious nature. Of Americans moving their way through the West, <laughs> and so yeah. it proves that that's actually a good thing. But I think that that's kind of indicative of, of our people at that point. Yeah, is this guy is potentially risking the whole point of why they're going, and, and potentially also going to get himself
1: killed over it. But he is determined.
0: Which and comes? Then, and
1: then he has a uh, is it a uh, not morphine uh, opium the opium yeah 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 so uh they don't want him to od they leave him enough opium they take a little bit in a, a whiskey or, flask
0: or laudanum as they would have called it back then <laughs>
1: um
0: if you weren't in an opium dim
1: and then they get a little bit further i, I will say that daytime scene where the first uh of the i don't know what to call them
0: chocolate just go with that
1: uh, so a chocolate diet <laughs> did
0: uh, you say chocolate dyke
1: <laughs> uh Listeners,
2: we're sorry. Uh, let's go with cave dwellers.
0: Yeah, how about? So the first
1: Chalkolite <laughs> comes out, and uh... which, by the way,
0: Chalkolite, great uh, metal band that focuses on Bigfoot theme yeah, songs. The Trogs. Big...
1: So the trogs. the first time they 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 because they're they're painted in white, they blend in with the with the. You pausing me? Before
0: then, real quick, we get that famous scene that we brought up where uh, Matthew Fox makes the joke about him ha- having made a pass at the the Pat, patrick wilson's wife before yeah and so as they're patrick he, he they're like all right you just go at your own pace we're gonna go ahead and matthew fox makes the joke and we'll try not to flirt with your wife before you get there right and so patrick wilson goes to punch him hurts his leg even further <laughs> he says i have signed up for this damn foolish mission mission i think i'm allowed to make a joke every yeah, once in a like, while i'm out
2: here risking my life to try and save hers yeah uh, it's a nice it's a nice quick way to remind uh, everyone watching that everyone in the group has some decency yes which kind of ups the ante before our final scene and where clearly there's probably going to be some loss
0: and yeah i think it really builds up just our love for the characters yeah it's smart filmmaking point. because it is. it's
2: it takes about 5 seconds yep. we don't spin off into a long diatribe it's, it's quick. It's efficient.
0: Yep. So I think that that builds up the last thing that we are we are invested in each of these characters moving forward from that point. And pause.
1: So they get closer to uh, to finding a, a cave, in the in the rocks. Uh, there's a weird uh, passing through the through like this mountain. They go through the passing and then the uh, Chukladites are. Uh... <laughs> Or uh, tr- troglodytes. The, uh, the savages are then... <laughs> oh, Lord. ...emerging from the sand, and they're painted in white. They actually blend in.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, the first one, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I didn't even see him running until, like, he was halfway there, so it kind of startled me. Um,
0: that whole first... Just, amb- bro, bro. That whole... Go ahead. <laughs>
1: that, no, that's all I had.
0: I <laughs> yeah, that first ambush... Even on my second viewing, I forgot how quick and sudden and brutal that is. Yeah. That first ambush made me poop my pants a second time <laughs> oh, around.
2: Hey, uh, it's raining arrows. We're here. <laughs> it's
1: raining arrows. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I was like, holy shit. I forgot it just jumps up that quick. Yeah, they're, they're,
1: they're all shot. Uh, each, each of the men are shot by arrows pretty fast. Uh, Matthew Fox is left for dead.
0: With dynamite. Dynamite. might. Vinny, you've been quiet. Anything right, so to say up here, to this point?
2: So no, I'm good. I okay. Kind of <laughs> Riding along with you guys.
3: It's
0: <laughs> like the tomahawk.
2: He'll come back around. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, hitting all the all, all the high spots. I agree.
0: Okay. Okay. Well. As. You know, just feeding into the great lines. And oh, Then we start
1: hearing the like. Yeah, that's a great point. Go.
0: We we forget about that throughout the film. We keep hearing these noises and we find out later what's causing them. But now, yeah, these.
2: Vinny, didn't you have a theory on the the whistle sound? Who? Oh, he's gone.
0: Oh. Okay. Vinny was going to take a whiz. <laughs> um oh, also to note that You know, we should make mention that once when this ambush happens, it's just Chickory, Kurt Russell, and Matthew Fox because Patrick Wilson is lingering behind because he's injured. So that's important setup. Spoilers. Um, And yes, they're making that noise. We don't know what causes that. Just (laughs) we don't know what causes that just yet. But you know, I took note of some of these these lines that were so important in the film as they're leaving Matthew Fox for dead and he's got dynamite that he's planning on using to blow up as they come to attack him, Kurt Russell leans down to him and says, we'll make sure that all this has value. Like we're going to like telling him, we're going to make sure that your death was not in vain. Like we're, we're, I promise you all this will have been worth it, including your death. And that's just brilliant writing.
2: Yeah, and there will be some more yeah. quotes like that that I oh, yeah. mentioned, but it lends itself to the point that this director has no fat on it. Yeah. It's straight to the point. Every line. And, and, and in ways, like any good filmmaker that makes uh, you know makes great films, you look at it and go, what have I heard that from? You haven't. Yep. They've somehow managed to take the most basic things – and inject them into your, the films that that seem like you've seen it before. You haven't. Yeah. I mean, there's been maybe some that, variations. Some dialogue on that dialogue was wasn't
1: but... Free Willy, <laughs> but <laughs>
2: but, it, but that, that's a pretty example of it. It doesn't drag it out in any other movie. That would be uh, cue the even heavier music, right? And the grasp of each other and the the violent death. Right. There's none of that. This no. is very uh, restrained. Yep. And quick, which helps it. Absolutely yeah, it keeps the viewer on its toes.
0: Yeah. So we get this big final push. Um, Chickory and Kurt Russell's character they they push in. Uh, they finally get over overtaken by the Indians mm-hmm. by the cave dwellers. And why they're being the drug up in
2: that great scene by rope, up the up the the mountainside there into the opening. We also only hear the gunfire from one of the I guess we'll call them just cave cave dwellers that. Runs right at Fox, yeah. Matthew Fox's character, and you just hear the gunshot. We don't see what happens, so it kind of leaves you the little hope,
0: yeah. And we don't hear the dynamite boom, yeah. There's no dynamite boom, so they get up into the the cave dweller space. They find the deputy; he's uh, he's alive, but he's he's not well. Uh, and the uh, uh, the wife, the doctor, Patrick Wilson's wife, she's she's doing well. She's there chatting. Samantha uh, looks good. She's yeah all right. yep. And boy, it takes a turn. Then, then
2: that, then. there
3: there comes the scene where all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, yeah, hello Dolly. okay,' You're
1: like, that's why that's why we're doing this movie right here. I was like, they hung dong and then I was like, oh,
0: <laughs> Toddless, Todd was <laughs> yeah. Todd went from 12 o'clock to six o'clock yeah. real quick.
2: <laughs> yeah, they really split the fun.
0: <laughs> so they dragged the uh, they drag the deputy out. And um, this is another great line in the film where as they're stripping the deputy down, holding him up, and they're going to split him in half, uh, Kurt Russell is shouting at him, You will be avenged. The, the cavalry is on their way. We've gotten word to whatever city. The, the soldiers are coming. We're going to kill all these bastards. Your death is not going to be in vain.
2: You know what it reminded me of? which isn't horror, but the deer hunter. Yeah. When they're playing Russian roulette and the Vietnamese guys are screaming to keep going and De Niro and Walken are having the conversation over it. Yeah. Because you know that there's a good chance for finality right here. It's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me so much of that because there's so much going on there and it's just about, listen, I'm yelling, listen to what I'm saying. Cause yeah. it's rushed. This is it.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's one shot. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: they Strip him down, and then they put an axe down his booty hole, <laughs> scalp him. They should, oh yeah, scalping. him.
3: Chop this dude in half from his groin. It's yes. like it is rough. Oh yeah. <laughs> Especially like it's not that the movie has been completely tame up until. Well, I think the fact too that that
1: that that our that our main characters are in cages watching it happen but too. Holy shit! And they're trying to bust out of the cage. Does yeah. it
3: totally just?
2: Take it to a whole new level when that scene happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's he's uh, looking at Kurt Russell and Chicory yeah. as he's being scalped, screaming. Yeah, it's it's brutal. That's before
0: yeah, we flip him splitting.
2: around for one of the most jaw-dropping moments I can remember in film recently.
0: Before he gets wishbound. Yeah, and it looks so damn real. Oh yeah,
2: I mean they we spin him around, which is smart because then you don't focus on as much detail right so we have the the back end of this guy and for listeners who haven't watched this and want it spoiled they're holding him up by each foot and we and we don't do it quick it's it's with it their it it's times. with yeah. their primitive things that they've created their tools and we it, watch him cut them in half and the movement on the body is unsettling
0: it's like when you were 23 and you accidentally watched one of those al-Qaeda beheading videos oh, yeah man. Where you're like, oh, they just they just chopped this dude's head off with a sword. No, it doesn't. It's not that clean. Yeah, it's it's one of those faces of death moments. Um, yeah. So, you know, not to belabor too much, they they try to come up with a plan, and they're going to use the the laudanum or the opium that they've got left to try and poison the Indians. And uh, I'm sorry, the troglodytes. I was
1: gonna say because these these are not Indians. Yeah, like they're they're inbred and
0: yeah. So they um, that kind of works, but then it doesn't, and and then you hear gunshots. And in comes our hero, old crippled Patrick Wilson,
2: <laughs> crippled ass Arthur. Has <laughs> Which they
1: did. So they they end up killing. They kill a few uh, of the of the chocolate diets.
3: Yeah. Yeah, 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 Kurt Russell uses uh, so they the, use the, they, the opium. They,
1: they kill one. They basically poison the other. Yeah. yeah, The third one is, is untouched. Um, and then there's a few extra roaming around.
0: And we find out, as Patrick Wilson kills one of them earlier, um, that, that that wailing noise that they make is some bone apparatus that they stick in their... Um, like a trachea. Yeah, their trachea and they blow wind through it and it makes that noise and so he you...
2: now is that man-made by them or is that developed from them being I believe that's
3: man-made because you have the one character
0: that has the boar's tusks right, kinda, see part of me the, with
2: the initial viewing wondered if because these creatures have never been around anything if mm-hmm. that's not part of adapting
3: I was in the opinion uh, something that was done to them when
0: yeah, I okay. think it was, yeah. On, like, like a tribal thing. Body mod. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because we also have the guy who's got the tusks that he's basically like pierced through his cheeks to make him look like yeah. he has tusks, which is the main guy for the end. So Patrick, I just thought it'd
2: be crazy that if their body generated that over time. Yeah.
0: Never being around other things. Just so a, that was their. A rare family evolution.
2: That they used with each other, which yeah. we learned from Arthur.
0: Sure. Sure. So he uses it to. to to whistle at him,
2: which is <laughs> draw the, them out. of Their hiding places. The detail places. of him spitting the goo and blood out when he <sighs> tries to use it the first time. I actually was like sitting there watching the movie, and I'd seen it before, and I was going, "Oh, Oops. like it was just, just, uh, just right off the screen, man. It's rough."
0: <laughs> um, he gets in and uh, he saves the day, and but Kurt Russell is.
2: Yes, before he arrives to the cave, Kurt That's... Russell is drugged out of the cell because the leader has realized that Russell has tried to
1: poison them. Yeah. And that, whoo, we take... Which then we get the speech to, to Kurt Russell that yeah that, that help is on the we... way. You're, you know,
0: it's,
2: your life is not in vain. Right, our leader cuts Kurt Russell's stomach open, Oof. takes the Definitely flask rough. that they'd had sitting in the fire that the poison came from, shoves it into his insides of his stomach, then tries to figure out how to operate the gun that they have, shoots him in the chest basically with that, and he's still alive. And in an ultimate act of badassness, as Arthur arrives and we've got things escalating with people, he takes the tool from the guy, Kurt Russell does, cuts the bottom down onto his foot, or cuts his foot off, drops him to the ground, and you watch Kurt Russell taking care of him as Kurt Russell has a burnt flask <laughs> hanging out of his side yeah. and a gunshot wound in his chest. And then he takes care of him as Arthur arrives because the distraction helped with all that. Right. And so we finally have them subdued and taken care of and all of our characters that we care about up top to deal with the aftermath as we finish. And it has that great line. Oh, I won't man. steal your thunder since it was your choice, <laughs> uh, which which leads to just the, the great moment because we've learned about Chickory and his wife having passed yeah. and how he's alone and just the backup to the deputy. And uh, Chickory is about to become the sheriff. Yeah. The great line, if you'd like to share. A great yeah.
0: One. Part of Chickory's main storyline is that he lost his wife, you know, and, uh, you know, he even goes to visit her grave before he goes on this adventure to let him, let him know, let her know what he's doing and, and, you know, things <laughs> like that. And, um, as Kurt Russell's dying, he looks at Chickory and he says, say goodbye to my wife and I'll say hello to yours,
2: which is the <laughs> ultimate example of the script in this, the, the, the absolute flawless storytelling. There is no fat on this stuff.
0: I, uh, I've watched this film two times and I've cried both times.
2: Yeah. And it's <laughs> it excruciating as we go through that. It's important to mention too, the buildup with Kurt Russell and his trouble with breathing as we watch him dying. Yeah. And it is, it's,
1: this movie is just its own thing.
0: Would so you, would you say this is pure cinema? It's pure cinema. <laughs>
1: so, uh, so the end of PCP the film, approved. the, um, yeah. chicory, leaves Uh, he leaves the trail of rocks and I'm like is that is that for Kurt Russell and I'm like what is the how'd you take away the ending because it is Kurt Russell he could live it's Kurt Russell
0: <laughs> Kurt Russell could always live um, I don't know I didn't have one opinion want to read the other on that
1: because there also is there I don't think they killed busy all of the, I don't I, I don't think they killed all yeah. all of the, all of the, the cave dwellers. No, because they say that there's nine or
2: twelve, I think. Yeah, yeah.
0: mathematically, you're, you're trying to do the math in your head, but you're like, you know what? They're getting out. It's okay. Yeah. And then there's even that great scene, too, where uh, Patrick Wilson wants to kiss his wife. She's like, I would give you a, a proper kiss, but you have had that thing in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> then he just takes his sleeve and wipes his mouth off. It's like, all right, now give me a proper kiss, woman. So, uh, yeah, Chicory, Patrick Wilson, and uh, the wife. Get away. Good times. Roll credits.
3: Good times. I like this movie. I think it's a good movie. The only complaint I will give, and I'm probably going to get crucified for this, is I find the end to be anticlimactic.
0: Wow. Uh,
2: Could you elaborate? I don't know. I just feel like for all of the
3: buildup that we have had, for the big showdown and everything else, they get away. And then... You hear the gunshots off in the distance. Kurt Russell. That presumably Kurt Russell is killing another one
2: of them. It's one.
3: And then they wander off.
2: Is it? It's Counting shots. And then basically
3: they walk. They, you know, the other people got away. You hear the gunshots. Credits roll. I just found it anti-climactic.
2: I disagree.
0: Uh, Well, you like what you like.
2: Yeah. Already, like re- re- no. You know what? So, so you had a problem Let's with the timeline. Though. Let's Listen clarify, though. I, <laughs> I don't agree with that. But this is a two-hour and fifteen-minute movie. I, re- I'm, I get it. Like you sat through a lot of film, right? So I just if, thought
3: that the it, ending would be a little bit bigger than what it ended up being. Is it a satisfactory ending? Yes, it is a satisfactory ending. But. After that long of a buildup, I just think I expected something a little more
2: dramatic. Okay, and I for me, I would say from a horror, specifically horror element for the podcast, that makes sense. Uh, as just a film fan, the journey is just as entertaining, and so I'm content with the movie as we go, and then we watch a human being be cut in half with great dialogue that's epic and moving, and so I love the ending, but. I think it's important to stress that, you know, this film is two hours and 15 minutes. And I'm not mad and at And so the if the ending <laughs> isn't, isn't something that you love, I, I get it.
3: I'm not mad at the ending. I just found it to be a little anti
0: I'll bet you were wanting to watch Patrick Wilson limp back to the village for the next 30 minutes.
3: <laughs> yes, I was hoping for another 45 minutes of the
0: journey. Back. Stumbling and going, Ah! ah! No, um, I'll be fine. I was hoping
1: Patrick Wilson would go back to the cave and there'd be a little love scene
3: between him like, honestly, and... with
1: the... <laughs> But with Richard Jenkins and then everybody just <laughs> turns it off.
3: Honestly, it, it's a it's a more realistic ending.
2: Yeah. And that's that what I love. What you get. I love the, the the violence is is brutal and messy like violence is. Yep. There is nothing sensational about it. And I, I love that it. it had the courage to run through the traditions of westerns but not Go over the top at the end. Yeah, it's like no. Here's actually how your Western ends.
0: Should have gave horrible. Should have gave the old the old Rooster Cogburn at the end of True Grit where he when he's up on that horse.
2: (laughs) I always thought it'd be funny if there was an outtake when he's taking the horse over the fence and he just falls off. Yeah, because he's old.
0: Well, he had a he had like a broken back or something. He wasn't even supposed to do that. We're getting off topic, but um, yeah. So Bone Tomahawk. 10 out of 10, recommend every day of the week. So yes. Yeah, I'd
1: certainly recommend it. Certainly. I enjoyed good. it. I, good. I'll, I'll, good. I'll watch it again.
0: Good. Good, good, good. Moving right along. Get on. off me now.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: like Dorka.
1: <laughs> that leads us to our next picture The Dead Zone, 1983, starring a young Christopher Walken, uh, Brooke Adams, Tom Skerritt, Martin Sheen, directed by David Cronenberg, and of course based off the story by Stephen King. Not familiar. Is that
0: familiar? <laughs> <how it sounds? laughs> <laughs> um Wilson, do you want to say why you chose this and why?
2: Certainly. Um well didn't wasn't intended this way, but it's a great follow-up for the discussion on horror. Is this horror?
3: Yeah. And
2: horror yeah. adjacencies. Um I picked this because I think it's a very interesting intersection with uh, notable genre icons. We have, uh, as mentioned, Cronenberg directing this. Stephen King wrote the book. We even have Deborah Hill producing this. Um, I think uh, Dino De Laurentiis produced, Mm -hmm. uh, which would be a, a long relationship with Stephen King films. So you have a lot of interesting intersections there. Um, I also think that it is one of the best books that Stephen King has ever written. I don't think we've covered Cronenberg enough on the show. No, And so I think that it, there was all kinds of reasons uh, to throw this in here. Because we did a Stephen King episode early on. That is such a massive topic that we're never going to tackle that in one episode. We no. did kind of a brief overview. And now it's just kind of chiming them in here and there. And yeah. So I thought... Uh, This is kind of a wintry movie where I'm watching this in January. This would be a nice uh, selection to throw in there. So that was basically what led me to pick that. Um, I've seen this movie numerous times. This falls into that category of about 10 to 15 movies that I'm extra nostalgic for because they were the first images I knew of modern horror. I remember seeing the the images of walking uh, with the flames while they laid in bed in Fangoria. Um, And so... Uh, there's a certain warmth for me there. But, yeah, it's, it's just a movie I liked, and for all the other reasons that I just listed, I thought it was one that would be good to cover. Um, anybody, was this a first-time viewing for anybody? First-time viewing for me?
0: First-time viewing awesome. for me? Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the film. Awesome. Uh, but also would agree that it falls into kind of that horror-adjacent category that we were just talking about. So Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, I... I really like this movie. Like I got into it and you know, sometimes just the look of a movie sometimes can turn you off. Like you, you go, Oh, this is going to be one of those, you know, kind of like ghost story did for me. Like yeah. the first time I start watching ghost story, I'm like, Oh, and then by the end I'm like, hot oh, damn, that's a <laughs> so, <laughs> that boy, yeah. good ass movie. So good. boy Good. <laughs> so yeah, this is one of those for me. Hot toddy. Uh,
1: I watched this as a kid. Uh, probably when I started getting into Stephen King. Um, I haven't watched it in a while and I've kind of wanted to revisit it because we got to go to the uh, to where Stephen King did. Uh, I don't know what you would call that, like a like a Q and A, I guess. And he talked about his new book, mm-hmm. but he had uh, started talking about the Dead Zone and how um, how much unrelated or related it was to our current uh, political climate. That you know how unrealistic it could be that just a billionaire alone could get elected into a presidency, and how uh, disastrous that could be. Yeah. Um, So I've kind of since we went to that, I've kind of wanted to revisit it. Um, I don't think I've watched this movie in a long time, so it's been a while since I watched it. And um, every time I view this movie, I always enjoy it. Good. Sounds like it uh, went over well.
2: Um, But yeah, I. Before we dig into the plot, it's just I think it's one of of King's best novels. I also think it's one of the best adaptations of his novels that's ever been made. Cronenberg has a very, very strong skill of simplifying ideas. The book has many more moving parts um, that were just eliminated for this, but it doesn't hurt the film.
1: I've never read the novel. I'd, I'd like to, to to eventually read that.
2: Yeah, if, I, if somebody really wanted to dig into some Stephen King novels and you pick three, this should be one of them. Okay. Like, it's excellent. It's also not straight horror, but from a literary... You know,
1: I, or... I, I think people... Uh, I, well, it's weird, like, just... Not really off subject, but what we're talking about is uh, I had mentioned uh, Green Mile, and people it like blew their mind that that was Stephen King because like Stephen King actually does a lot of like yeah. dramatic like so Stand no, by Me, Shaw no Shaw weird Redemption. alien at the end, yeah, like uh, <laughs>
0: it's not always straight up work, So I was like, and no kids dying. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Damn.
2: All right, so we want to dig into the plot real quick. Yeah,
0: give us a brief synopsis.
2: All right, Christopher Walken is a teacher named John Smith. A very common name. Yeah, uh, wow. He is a young school teacher who wow. is in love with his colleague Sarah. <laughs> uh, and we are set in, for the first time, the town of Castle Rock, which will go on to be a very common location for Stephen King stories.
0: Now, did this movie rip off the TV show that's yes, on uh, yes Hulu? Yes, it did. Okay, yeah. um, Prime for so Anyway.
2: After having a headache following a ride on a roller coaster, now. With the book, there's a long history to this, but we just start with there, thus instantly exercising Cronenberg's knack for just cutting off things that we don't need for a feature film. Sure. I got a headache. So he's got a headache following a ride on a roller back. coaster. Johnny, uh, <laughs> after the day spent with Sarah declines to stay the night with her because he claims uh, to her some things are better or some things are worth waiting for. He's a gentleman. Yeah.
0: He's going to marry her someday.
2: And so he is deeply in love with his colleague, but opts to not spend the night with her even after her encouragement. Um, And on the drive home, stormy weather uh, takes uh, Johnny into a car accident uh, that leaves him in a coma. The coma we come to find out has been five years um and when he awakens from it he encounters he's got his doctor uh Sam Weizak, and his parents and we learn the time that he has been out but we also learn that she has moved on yep. it has been 5 years he is now uh, not only bewildered from being gone for such a long time but he's lost the love of his life um which to me was was
3: almost the most intriguing part of the movie for me it, it put me in the mind of uh, castaway where you get that scene when Tom Hanks comes back and Helen hunt is reunited with him but only briefly I feel like this kind of expanded on that situation yeah. a little bit where you know just the, the human element of that what what would happen between people you know it's not like they broke up right it's almost like a death but then he's able to but then he's back and, and you know the emotions that would go into that and of course after I
1: found that interesting. after like even one or two years too like how long do you wait for someone oh yeah, yeah. Certainly. So, so it's like no fault of her own that she moved on and it's either. kind
2: of like the discomfort of a castaway but amplified because yeah. if you put yourself in the shoes of someone in that situation that's like going to bed and waking up and having everything that you cared about ripped from you right um there was no five years for him he's just woke up and it's like huh So we quickly learn that he uh, (laughs) now has a psychic ability to learn a person's secrets through physical contact with him, whether it be the future um, or the past. I have the the same ability. (laughs) Um, And what's great about this is that the film rolls through examples in a serial nature like a TV show would, but we never spend too much time. But it still feeds within a coherent narrative is a traditional film so it doesn't kind of just go in blocks it's still pushing the narrative as we go Uh, but we have some interesting um examples of this we learn when he touches uh his nurse's hand um that there's a fire at her house yep and his daughter or her daughter is going to be trapped in the room this is the image i knew the film for is him laying in bed which, if I remember correctly, it's just his head. Yeah. That's a fake body laying there. Because the whole room's on fire. It's very impressive visually uh, when that's occurring. But he's down underneath so that he could pull himself out if things got bad quickly. You are laughing.
0: What do we got? <laughs> just because I'm thinking, wow! Wow! Ah!
2: Wow!
0: He's on
3: fire! <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is a
2: good impersonation. I'm going to have to outlaw it until the end. Because I know we're all going to keep coming back to it. Um that is a good. But uh so we he relays the information it ends up saving the it's daughter's life. Yeah. So we go through different examples of this. He also sees that his doctor's mother who was believed to be killed during World War II as oh. actually still alive. Yep. Uh he helps uh the doctor with with that. The doctor calls And and finds out. Gets his mother on the other end of the phone. And so we've already started to plunge into some deeper, more touching moments with this, as opposed to traditional shock or things that you would expect from a Stephen King story. Absolutely. And um, so the news starts to spread of this within the community, and we start to wonder is this a gift or is this going to be a curse? The sheriff quickly enlists walking's character johnny uh to help him with a serial killer the castle rock killer.
0: castle rock killer and he says you've got to do this you, you know this this is a gift from god and Walken gets very upset he's like a gift from god i think a better gift from god would be me not running into an 18 wheeler and being in a coma for five years and losing everything yeah. which
1: is interesting too because i think scene. i think his mom is because his mom seems overly religious which is a much bigger deal in the book that she's almost terrified of of, of the the gift
2: yeah yeah, but yeah, the uh, sheriff George Bannerman enlists him to help. We have a serial killer that has killed nine people mm-hmm. while uh, Walken has been in his coma. The Castle Rock Killer uh, initially Johnny declines. I think he's overwhelmed with yeah. all that has been thrown in his lap. Um, but only when he reconnects with Sarah and visits, and she brings her infant son, uh, does he has a change. He has a change of heart, um, kind of embracing the new skill that has been given to him. Um, We have some wonderful scenes where Johnny goes out with the sheriff. We go into this tunnel that is visually just beautiful for such a morning setting. Um, Trying to go to a former spot uh, to see if we can conjure anything up from that. And then we go out to the gazebo where we have uh, a body there. And we hear the crunching of the snow while he walks around. It's just all very memorable in that. Um, and we realize uh, from from John, Johnny's skills that the Castle Rock Killer is our deputy that's standing right there. Right, Frank Dodd. Frank Dodd is a huge part of the book. He is not in the movie. Okay. Which again, we paired all that off to get down to cinematically what's a good point. It's not as big a deal in the film leading up to that.
1: So. Because we kind of left out too that that Martin Sheen is a uh, is currently running. Uh, what's what 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 is he running for in the the movie originally? City council like, or governor or like a state s- senator, right? Senate, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's running for the senate.
2: Um, but we we have Johnny point out that that's the deputy which then leads to them chasing him because they point out he's just left because the deputy realizes I am about to get caught by this this crazy skill that this guy has, Uh, which leads us to Dodd's house, the deputy uh, where it's lit green, which I think kind of shows sickness. It's just bizarre in the house um, where Dodd kills himself by taking scissors, shoving them up into the center of his mouth by impaling his his Uh, head down onto it. Yeah. Um, I, if I remember correctly in the book, he's got a rain slicker on hmm. and cuts his throat and writes something on himself. But, oh, wow. it, um, we get that, we get that kind of trimmed down. We have a shootout with the mom, um, who was, I can't remember what she was in. Some with the exorcist, I think, uh, Colleen Dewhurst, but there's a shootout there, which injured, injures Johnny. Yep. Johnny is now no longer interested in using these abilities. Look what it got me. I'm in the middle of uh, a gunfight. So he starts to become reclusive, um, and we kind of go through him with that, and wondering where where this is going to take him. He's he's conflicted on the the concept of the idea, and uh, will lead up to bigger ideas. Do you want me to keep going through the plot all the way to the end?
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't have many other notes. I mean, just talking about how he gets lots of mail, of people wanting him to help them. Right. Um, You know, he's got that boy, that young boy that he's helping, um, who's kind of reclusive himself, and he finds out that the the boy is going to die in a hockey accident. Yes. And that's kind of a major point. And so he stops it from happening, so he thinks. And so this is where... So he
3: realizes he can
1: change yeah outcome. Outcomes. And,
0: oh, and this is where the term the dead zone comes from right he's like i can
1: which which he saved the boy but like the the breaking of the ice like didn't that still happen other yeah. people died yeah, other people yeah. Died. but he saved the boy
0: right right so he, he kind of realizes he can change the outcome um and i mean i was just gonna
2: it's pretty much the end of yeah i was movie. gonna say
0: roll into the final scene
2: yeah, because we roll along. We have the the politician, Greg Stilson, played by Martin Sheen, who is about as unhinged as who you'll ever see him in this. He's doing push-ups at rallies. He's he's just doing the damn thing. Which Basically, everybody
3: always talks about how much Charlie Sheen looks
2: like his dad. I think Emilio. Emilio and his dad. i well, Yeah, I think Charlie, Emilio exactly the same. Yeah. Um, but the husband of Sarah now, after Johnny's Mister. Is, oh, by the way, we forgot to mention for him. we forgot he, to
0: mention that Walken and Sarah got in
1: her coo- God, God, Yeah, so I don't bad. think it was planned either.
2: That's yeah. why it was kind of uh, sweet, Coot <laughs> and sweet, sweet at the same time. Um, cute, sweet. Is I don't think it was planned because she brought the infant, right? And so I thought that was it's kind of a, a organic, a nice scene there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But her husband is is a volunteer for Stilson, so we instantly kind of are aware of his campaign because of that. Uh, Walking, Johnny Smith attends a rally where he shakes hands with him and
1: sees the future that he's yep. going to be president elected in 2016. In
0: America. <laughs> sees that he's going to be president and that he's going to start nuclear war.
1: Yeah. He's
2: going to basically end the world when it's completely avoidable.
0: Right. Because uh, of his, by pride. his, by his yeah.
2: power and pride and yep. that chilling scene in the vision. Where the cabinet has arrived at his door in the middle of the night. And he says, missiles are already on their way, boys. Hallelujah. They're like, yeah, they're like,
0: everything's fine. We can stop this. And yeah. he's like, nope.
2: Completely avoidable. So then we decide, uh, Smith decides this guy has to go. Yep. And this is the ultimate uh, sacrifice that we see. Um, he attends um, another rally for him. He, he's camped out with a gun. He draws it. He fires. He misses. And... Stilson grabs the child of Sarah and holds it up.
0: Using a baby as a human shield. Yeah,
2: And so, Walken is taken down. It's, it's actually pretty upsetting. Yeah. Watching oh, yeah. Him die because he's, he's saying goodbye to everything. Now he's dying. After already what's been ripped away from him, now the only thing he had is life is gone. And as he's dying, uh, he makes contact with Sheen. And we get the satisfying payoff there, where we see that Sheen's, or Sheen's career is over because of the baby incident that just happened. It's political suicide. Yeah. He and he will end up killing himself over the headlines. Um, and then we have uh, the embrace from Sarah and John, uh, where she tells him that she loves him. And yeah, that's it.
0: Very, uh, very Christ-like moment well, yeah. for yeah. for Walken and giving giving him giving himself to save the whole world. Yeah, yeah. Two notes,
2: and we kind of have mean. journeys there along the way yeah. that are kind of Christ-like with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. An interesting
2: parallel.
3: Two notes that I had after watching this movie was number one, the SNL sketch with and Ed Glosser Trivial Psychic is much funnier to me now <laughs> than it was when I had seen it <laughs> previously, and I also found all of the Sleepy Hollow references quite ironic
1: mm-hmm. since would uh, go on would to go go play, play the yeah.
3: horseman.
1: Yeah. 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 Did, so has uh I've, I've never watched it myself. Has anyone watched the Dead Zone T V series with Mike I've seen Anthony Michael Hall. season one? It's is, good. Is, is it is it a... similar to the book or movie? It goes or... way deeper into the book. Okay. Sure. It ran, I, think, I've, I've, for I know six people seasons. There's a lot of fans of the T V show and uh I've heard it's really good. I've just yep. never watched it. It's like Anthony Michael Hall's shot for come
2: for a comeback and he, he gives it it all, I've
0: heard good things. I heard it's good. right up there with the the Shining TV series. Yeah, that I, I heard it's a more true adaptation of the book, and it's worth checking out. Well, I like this film. I I, I definitely recommend it. Um, again, you know, bringing into question that horror adjacent thing. I'm definitely glad we watched it, and I've got no regrets. There's horrific
2: moments. This is not a horror movie. Yeah. I think when you attach Stephen King's name to it,
0: you can get away with it, yep. It's, yeah. it's still got that, like, dark. Uh,
1: th- there's th- there's uh, some scary, yeah, scariness to all it, all but yeah. It. Sure. yeah, yeah, it's 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 in the world of Stephen King, and um, I think this is one of Stephen King's better films. I mean, not I that he made it, but of his work, this is Absolutely. my favorite
2: walk and roll. Yeah, this is before yeah. he had become kind of, kind of with Nicholson in Part the 18. earlier 70s, before he became the caricature that he mm-hmm. became. Same with uh walking here he's he's really restrained and and sympathetic
1: i think uh, i think this movie always stood out for me and then uh at close range which he used to terrify me in that movie where he uh murders his his son's friends but yeah yeah
2: i would recommend this to anyone who's interested Either from a so king or say, Cronenberg. I would say,
1: uh, I would say, strong, Walken, Stephen King, and Cronenberg. Yep.
0: yep. Right on. All right. Well, we're wrapping it up. Another episode of the Monster Mash. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Adler, joined by Professor Wagstaff. Hot
1: <laughs> toddy.
0: Stay scary. Wow.
1: The zone is dead. <laughs>